The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Hurricane Ian has moved on, but the cleanup is still very much just beginning. And for homeowners, the current housing market can make rebuilding their homes and their lives incredibly expensive. Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Melody Wright. She's Senior Vice President of Strategy and Business Development for Influence. Melody, thanks for joining me. Hi, Mike. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. So... You know, some of us have, you know, the, the numbers are coming out, but I guess just to start the conversation about particularly uh, people having to rebuild their homes, set the scene a little bit about what we're looking at in Florida uh, in the path of Hurricane Ian. Uh, absolutely. So I think, you know, when I say some of these, some of these things, it's going to sound very familiar to everybody, right? Um, we, we have currently in the US, we're experiencing severe labor shortages, um, supply chain disruptions, etc. Not to mention home builders that have just been beaten up recently. Um, you know, in, in essence, people are sort of arguing about whether or not this is an inventory issue as we're seeing more homes come onto the market. But I think that everyone can agree that we pulled forward some demand over the past couple of years. And so, you know, home builders kind of tried to keep up and now we've got all these coming onto the market. However, you know, it's still very constrained from a labor um, shortage perspective, meaning that these poor homeowners are going to have to take wait a much longer time to have their homes rebuilt. And also from a cost standpoint, I know they're still trying to total the damage. I saw a number today, it was like 47 billion do we think that's an accurate number of what it would cost to rebuild now? Are they kind of looking at the home values based on, you know, obviously assessments are uh, a rolling thing? It's it's the home values, you know. So essentially, we've seen unprecedented, you know, home price appreciation, et cetera. That's just one component, right? We're they're looking at a historical, um, you know, Bloomberg tried to do adjusted for inflation, but in reality, uh, something like this, you really are going to have to get specific because. If you look at sort of the labor issue alone, uh, just getting enough workers uh, to to actually rebuild. And so that's one component, right? And then you got to think that a lot of these, so many of these homes were built in the 2000s, but a lot of them weren't. And then, you know, so in essence, if they're going to be rebuilt, then, you know, they're going to be rebuilt to a different code, right? Because hurricanes are going to continue to hit Florida. That's just going to happen. It's, you know, it's, it's the number one state <laughs> prone to hurricanes. And so they're going to have to rebuild re- resiliency in mind, right? Which just means a whole different set of zoning codes, et cetera, like that. 
And that is just that, um, you know, hopefully they can rebuild. Hopefully they were insured because basically right now, um, based on some studies uh, from an institute called Triple I, uh, essentially only 13 percent of homeowners in Florida have flood insurance. And so this is this is like we saw in Katrina It's going to be very similar between, oh, you don't have flood. That that was a flood issue. That's not a wind issue. And so let's compare the watermark. Like, so there, you know, do they want to rebuild? Can they? So the, the expense is just piling on. And then let's add the insurance problem that we're seeing with six insurance going insolvent this year. And, you know, the cost three times the national average. So there's a lot going on. And I think the price tag is going to be much, much higher if, you know, people determine that they're going to rebuild or they can afford it. That insurance number is staggering. And we'll come back to the insurance issue. I just felt like, you know, what hammer the I mean, it's insane. Florida, you know, is a peninsula sticking out into the most active hurricane area in the world. Uh, you know, it's it's full of swamps and wetlands and it's flat. Obviously, the middle of Florida doesn't get flooded often, but the idea of something like this happen isn't exactly unforeseen. But again, we'll come back right. to the Absolutely. the insurance issue. But I guess just, you know, to as we we're we're building to a point here about what's gonna happen with the housing market in Florida and really probably for that whole region. If you're talking about a housing market that already probably couldn't handle a, a shock, and this is a tremendous shock, it's going to be expensive. Uh, it's going to be asking builders to take on capacity that they're not ready for right now. What's going to happen to the, the housing market in that part of the country? Yeah, so it, I'm not a fortune teller, obviously, right? But I think it's going to have... A, I mean, I think these are really, really big questions and that we're entering an inflection point. I think... We're coming to the first time where I, I think after we saw, you know, Ian hit landfall, we saw the citizens of Fort Myers kind of get on and like, we've got to rebuild, 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 rebuild. But, you know, I think looking at the risk um, and, you know, and looking at, uh, again, we'll talk about insurance later, but looking at the, you know, how much insurance companies are struggling, looking at how much the housing industry is struggling right now, um, we have to ask ourselves, is that, you know, is there going to be a housing market in some of these places in the future? And if it is, is it only going to be for the privileged few? Or, I mean, honestly, we've already heard Biden say that he's going to give, there's going to be FEMA grants for people that don't have insurance, flood insurance. So, you know, big questions about can they rebuild? Will they rebuild? Should they rebuild? So I think, you know, Mike, that's a really hard question to answer right now. And, and, um, you know, we keep dancing around the insurance thing. So let's, let's get into that part Sorry. of it. And I guess just, no, no, it's an important part of the conversation. And, you know, I think we, you know, even though we're, our audience is mortgage originators, obviously insurance is a part of, of getting a, a mortgage. Talk to me a little bit first about Florida's situation for, you know, the majority of our audience who's not in Florida, maybe isn't paying attention. It wasn't exactly a, a, a normal functioning insurance market before Ian. No, I you you saw it really start to some articles percolate in the media a few years ago of people losing insurance. You know, let's remember in the housing industry, right? Like, so what's unique? And I'm going to use uh, Fort Myers, Lee County, a lot when I'm talking because I've done most of my research on that county in particular. And in that county, you know, 49% of the houses are not mortgaged. Now we know with mortgage and escrow, like you know that we we're pretty confident. That 
that insurance payment is going to be made. However, again, um, you've had so many of these insurance companies go bust, six, um, as well as these premiums, three times the national average. Uh, so essentially, you're you're looking at what I would call a very dire situation um, from an insurance perspective. And then you add on top of this, Mike, I've been digging into this. I'm from mortgage. I, you know, I spent pretty much all of 2012 and 2013 down in Florida managing the default crisis. So I knew a little bit about it, but I've gotten a real education in the last uh, few, like last few days, actually. And 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 essentially, you know, uh, the biggest problem Floridians have is that. So I'm going to tell you something staggering. So all of the claims or litigation uh, against for insurance claims, 79% of those claims originate from Florida for the entire United States. 79% of litigation around property insurance claims in Florida. That's massive, right? And so if you think about it and then get on top of that, so they have a huge litigation problem. And then you put on top of that, that essentially, um, you know, you can look at the fact that it is so heavily uh, litigated, like the 51 billion that's been paid over the last 10 years, 71% of that has gone to attorney's fees and to adjusters. And so that's not even going to the homeowners because at that point they're fighting, you know, you know, they have such huge litigation costs. And so just imagine the situation that you're you're a lot of people back uh when when they paid off their mortgages essentially decided they couldn't afford mortgage insurance anymore. Property, sorry, property insurance. And so they let it lapse. And so you saw back in 2017, 2018, stories about that, stories about the keys. But now think about that. 49% of people in Fort Myers have paid off their mortgages. And so how many of those actually don't have insurance? And so you're talking about a you know, total loss or the potential for that. So I, there's a lot to say, <laughs> but I would just say at what point, like to me, I, I, you know, I think we all, we live in a capitalist society and we want to run a business and we want to be able to profit from it, right? Um, how can these companies profit with the amount of losses they've seen, the amount of litigation? Why would you even want to continue to insure properties down there? And, you know, there's there's basically one right now that everybody relies on called Citizens. And they, you know, and, and that's backed stopped by the state. So at what point are, I mean, who's paying for this insurance? Right. And, yeah. So anyway, it's devastating effects, in my opinion, to the housing industry in Florida that nobody has really started to think about. There's few stories, a few people. CoreLogic did a great story recently, um, you know, that are talking about it. But this this crisis, Ian, I think, is really going to illustrate sort of the turning point for these insurance companies in Florida. So. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. And and from that, I mean, again, you know, uh, anybody who who writes a mor- who's, who's backing a mortgage wants to know, hey, there's an insurance policy here in case something like this happens. Absolutely. So, so you know, Florida being what it is, obviously a lot of people look at Florida because of the risk of, of these destructive storms. 
What what I mean, is it gonna be harder to get a mortgage in a market where it's already hard enough to get your house rebuilt if if insurers are going under? You know, that's a really good question. And and you would think that it would be harder to get a mortgage, Mike. I, I just don't know where we are right now in terms of appetite. Like, so if I answered this question today, I would probably say there'd still be somebody out there that will give you a mortgage. But as we start to see these uh, damages sort of, um, you know, materialize, I I really do wonder about sort of, the, you know, the reasonableness of originating um, in a situation like this. Um, so, you know, and, and even with, if you think about the all cash buyers that we've had recently, you know, essentially, even that cash, you've, we've seen a lot of good research come out that that maybe they weren't taking out a mortgage, but they were getting that loan from somewhere else. And now that the feds have the Fed has risen, you know, have have raised rates, essentially that cheap borrowing costs, those aren't those that's not there anymore. And so, and I think banks as well, as well as non-banks, are thinking about like, you know, they're mitigating risk right now. So depending on where we are in the cycle, this, you know, I don't know of whether you'd be able to get a mortgage loan. And and also just looking, you know, around the country with climate change, we're seeing more destructive storms everywhere. Obviously, Florida is is a unique market because of some of the things that were leading to insurance issues before Ian that have perhaps nothing to do with climate change, but you know, certainly we're seeing more wildfires. We're yes. seeing more storms like this. You know, I'm up here in Connecticut. We had not to this level, but you know, superstorm Sandy coming Sandy. up in the northeast, Absolutely. causing uh, extensive damage up through the the tri-state area. N- you know, if you're anywhere not in the middle of the country, you're not immune to this. And then you also have tornadoes in the middle of the country. Absolutely. So, I mean, tornado what, alley. Right. So, so, <laughs> um, not that people are going to see this Florida problem, but if we're seeing more destructive storms come on a rise, and insurance companies are are obviously their main objective is to to limit their costs and not have to pay out claims when they don't have to. I mean, do we see this becoming an issue in other parts of the country as more severe weather goes on the rise? Maybe not to to the level we've seen in Florida, but is this something that originators around the country have to keep their eye on that we're going to require our customers to get insurance so that we know this this mortgage will get paid in the the event of a catastrophe, but that insurance on top of raising rates and raising home prices, that insurance may also continue to become more expensive because of of risks like this. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a massive headwind. I mean, you look at California, there's already properties that you can't get insurance for. I mean, you know, again, it's if you're seeing that amount of damage uh, that's happening uh, due to the forest fires in California and you're seeing homes raised, um, you know, and you're seeing the same areas impacted as well as additional areas. You know, to me, I just have to ask, at what point does it make sense that, you know, and and again, you could, we require people to have insurance today, right? And so, but you know, a if they can't get insurance, then they're probably not going to be able to get a mortgage loan through the traditional, you know, finance. But but B, like I believe that that trend is just going to continue. Like I believe that the insurance, when it comes to you know these climate events. You know, this inflation is here to stay. Inflation is definitely here to stay, right? Because the cost of, of just even providing that insurance is is increasing due to these significant losses. And you know, we talk about flood, like 
This is a thing in Katrina. It's it's what everybody forgets. There's a national flood insurance program, but you know most people don't have flood. And you know one really shocking thing I read, Mike, and I guess I hadn't really thought about it, is that renters insurance doesn't. Uh, and I know we're talking about homeowners here, but you know renters insurance as well doesn't actually cover you know damage uh, from flood and things like that. And so essentially, maybe you own a property and you're renting it to someone, and they're going to have you know, a significant loss, they're probably going to need to move. And so that's also an impact to your income. So anyway, yes. I mean, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. And I think that, you know, I've been so surprised that we haven't seen more of this um, as a conversation in our industry in the last three to five years. You know, recently I attended a panel on it and there's there were not many people there. <laughs> and so I this is to me one of the biggest headwinds we're facing. Sure. Melody, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Melody and I kept talking after we concluded the interview, and I've decided to bring back a couple of her points here. What we're really seeing is an affordability crisis. And to me, it's like already there were a certain amount of people that could only live in Florida because they could afford it. But, you know, you look at you look at Lee County and and they have like a almost 30 percent rental rate on top of that. And so there are people that are trying to rent and live this life, you know, and, and they're, oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, I just, I was going to ask you when you were done um, because I, I, I'm not as obviously familiar with Florida as you, but I do know, I, I don't think people appreciate that there's diff like Florida, there's different Floridas depending on what part oh, of the state you're in. And some parts of the state are incredibly rich, rich people live there because it's, yeah. it's hot and, and nice. Uh, there's parts where it's old people because that's where you go to retire when you live in this part yep. where I am. And then there yep. are parts that are like rural South poverty stricken. Uh, people don't have the, you know, people don't have the money to, to, to rebuild. So what part of, how would you describe the part of Florida that was wrecked by Ian? Is this rich people or is this a part of Florida where these people can't rub together two nickels to replace what they've lost? Well, so interesting, right? So, um, uh, is that FEMA or who they put out this thing called a community resiliency score? Um, and I believe it, it's it's FEMA. Uh, I can look, but essentially, um, even within, if you looked at the, if you actually looked at the map of uh, Fort Myers, where where I'm sort of focused around that area, even there, you'll see little areas of resiliency, areas of no resiliency, and and they use factors such as you know, income and things like that when they actually uh, sort of come up with that resiliency score. And so it's it's a mixed bag. It's everybody um, in my, from what I'm seeing. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here's your headlines for today, October 5th. Mortgage applications have hit a 25-year low after falling for the seventh time in the last eight weeks. Purchase activity is now down 37% from a year ago for refis. That drop has reached 86%. Adam is now adding NMLS data to the information it provides on its website. The company says customers can use this information to better track loan origination data and target originators who work well with certain customer bases. And finally, 
Lone Depot has had to cut staff and change its business model, but that hasn't stopped bonuses for two top executives. The executives got raises and are eligible for bonuses of up to 200%, bringing their total compensation to between $16 and $18 million. Lone Depot has cut 4,000 jobs this year and left the wholesale channel after reporting losses in consecutive quarters. The company has also reduced lending capacity by $1 billion. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review so that others can find it. Thanks for listening.